The world went to hell around the year 2000, which is why Adam and Chad live less than 2000. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content, specials, and early access to a longer, uncensored, less than 2,000 experience. And now, less than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less than 2,000. Now part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Dude, 2021. How does that make you feel? Old. <laughs> actually, I'm still feeling vibrant. I, you know what I hate? You know what I can't stand? I can't stand when people actually are like, oh, I'm getting so old. I'm getting so old. I had friends that were like, th- by the time they were 32, they were like, I'm so old. And you're like, dude. What you say? I can't hear any <laughs> word you say. <laughs> And that's our guest. We're kicking off season two with a guest episode. That was well. I guess now's as good as time as any to say, guys. Everybody, welcome my friend Patrick Stibbs to the show. Hello, gentlemen. What's thank up? you for being here. Thank you, guys. Happy. I hope you had a very nice holiday and Christmas and New Year's and yeah. Same to you. Here's to 2021 being just a little bit better than 2020. Anyway, so how are you guys doing? I'm. I'm. I'm you know, I'm always happy to talk movies, especially horror movies, and I think that's what we're going to be kind of talking about tonight, aren't we? I'm excited. We are. I'm excited, too, because, Patrick, I've known you since, like, 1999, so I've now known you for 22 years, Wow. and, and back then, you handed me a screenplay, and you said, I wrote this movie called The Call, and you handed me the script. I read the script. I said, wow, man, this is really good. You're a really good writer. <laughs> and that film just left theaters the like like a couple weeks ago. So how cool is that? That not only have I known you this long, but you wrote a cool horror film that is now just out of theaters and doing extremely well. And I got to say, congratulations, because I saw the movie. It's a good movie, I'm, I'm, and I'm so happy for well, you. Well, thank, thank you. I wish I could say that it just left theaters after a 22-year run, <laughs> but that's not how it worked. It didn't work that way. It took 20 <laughs> years to get the movie made, and then we had the theater run. So, Yeah, yeah, 20 years, for, for and then it was in theaters a couple months. So two months after 20 years. But, you know, still, hey. it'll live on forever. That's right. Now, didn't, didn't your show, didn't your movie benefit from the pandemic in some way? You know what? It actually did because, um, you know, we, we uh, they started shooting the film in first week of January of 2020. And they finished the, uh, they finished the filming. The principal photography was all finished by mid to late February. And then the pandemic hit. And so what happened was, is thank God they had the, the film in the can, so to speak. And uh, so they were able to work at home for a few months, you know, the, the director, the editor, the composer, everybody. And then um, were able to get the film finished. And so the pandemic helped really for, in two ways. Number one, uh, you know, we were able to play, I believe, in almost 400 theaters. Nice. Uh, and drive-ins and drive-ins nationwide. It opened on October 2nd. So we were able to benefit from that because had the pandemic not hit, you know, all the big A-list movies that were coming out at the time, like Wonder Woman and, and you know, uh, the James Bond film and, 
And uh, even even uh, Jordan Peele had a horror film, a Candyman remake, coming out that was supposed to be really big. We probably wouldn't have gotten the number of theater screens we had had COVID not hit because that left a big gaping hole sure. for theaters to want product. So because of that, a lot of theaters booked the call uh, so that we benefited from that. And then the other benefit was had the pandemic not hit, the director was supposed to deliver the film to Cinedime, the studio, uh, I believe on April 1st. And Cinedime's goal was to release the film in July. And I remember when that was gotcha. first talked about, I thought to myself, man, I hate when horror films get released in the summer. Mm. It just, it's stupid. And, <laughs> you know, it's like going to a haunted house during the daytime, as far as I'm concerned. That's the only analogy I can think of. So because of the pandemic, we got delayed in the release of the movie. Therefore, you know, October 2nd. So we, we just got in under the wire in Halloween season, which was great. And in much, uh, I'm and, so happy for you. And more, more theaters than you would have had. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for being here. You bet, Adam. And, and and you know, I could tell. I watched the the trailer for the call. It looks like a really good film. I'm not a huge horror film guy, but I was hooked by this trailer. And I'm not just saying that because you're on. I, I'm telling you, I thought it was a legit, interesting concept. So welcome to the season two of Less Than 2000. We're expanding our horizons. Yes, we focus on the 80s and 90s because that's when we grew up. But uh, we appreciated what came before it, including Halloween, 1978. I got to say for myself, I... Uh, Remember watching this when I was really young and when when Chad said this is what you want to do I was kind of like, ah, uh, you know I didn't have very fond memories of it And then when I was looking for a free version of this <laughs> I found a Spanish version on YouTube and I was just kind of scrolling through and I'm like man, there's so many like Exterior day shots like what kind of horror movie is this? I mean, I was really young when I saw this the first time and it, it, but I'm so glad you chose this because it forced me to to rent it on Amazon and watch it, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the ride because when you're younger, you're looking for something more visceral. You're looking for the hacker slasher stuff. Yeah. What really struck me about this was the the building of suspense. The the the, the violence really isn't all that violent it is the anticipation right. of the violence very yeah. much like a jaws kind of sense yeah totally yeah totally well it's also it also john carpenter uh was was a, a big fan of a producer named val luton who did a, who did a lot of films for rko in the 40s and luton was another guy who never had a lot of money and he's the one that said you know what if you really want to scare people don't show them something in other words Instead of showing the, the, something on screen, let their imagination take over. So he used to say, it's what you don't see that scares you more than what you do see. Correct. So John Carpenter, you know, you know, he only had a couple hundred thousand dollars to make this movie. Right. So, you know, he had to kind of do a lot of that. A lot of the unseen, you know, is Michael Myers around the corner or isn't he? Or, you know, yeah. or the camera following. I mean, he did a lot of that and he did it brilliantly. And you know, like like you said, Adam, he just told this amazing story, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I I will I do have to kind of say though this this is kind of like the like if Where's Waldo turned into a horror film, <laughs> you know, because he's just kind of everywhere. Like you'll be watching a scene that has nothing to, that you think Michael's not even there, and then suddenly you see a reflection. Right. You actually at times have to like 
really look to see, oh my God, he's in the shot. I mean, other times it's very obvious, right. of course. But but yeah. I mean, it's So a little bit of trivia for you guys. The mask that Michael Myers wears is what famous celebrity? Are you kidding? I this is this is trivia that I do not know. I love this. This is why we have you on esoteric <laughs> knowledge. I, I I have no. I, clue I, I can't even imagine who that would be. William Shatner. Oh, what? So the, one of the producers of the movie saw a William Shatner mask in a in a store, and it looked creepy. And then they took it home, and the the art director painted it white and made it look even creepier. And that's actually a William Shatner mask. That's incredible. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but you're right. It's just, it's, it, it, and it still holds up. I mean, you know, 40 years later, whatever, 42 years later, um, the movie still just packs a wallop. It really does. I appreciate the, the suspense and I appreciate, I appreciate that type of horror more than the blood and guts. Right. I, and the, the obscene, you know, over the top. I think this is, this is true, you know, cerebral horror and, and it, it just, it takes its time. The first killing doesn't happen to like 53 minutes, I think. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it's one beat after another and it sets it up. Well, I guess the first killing is in the prologue, right. for, forgive me, but, but, but after that, and, um, you know, you mentioned the, the low budget just like Jaws, that's the reason why it was kind of done the way it was done because they only had so many options. They used so many steady cam shots. They only had so many spots. You know, the director, who was also the the composer and co-writer, got paid ten grand for it plus <laughs> ten points. You know, points on the back end. Yeah. But imagine that ten thousand dollars for this, and this is one of the most successful independent films of all time. Yes. And I mean, didn't this really just ignite a whole, a whole, I mean, didn't this really bring horror mainstream? I mean, didn't, didn't this kind of change everything? Well, well a lot psycho. of people, you know, there were horror films obviously before that. Um, but a lot of people like to say that the movie Halloween sort of ushered in the slasher film mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the, gotcha. the killing of the one by one kind of thing. And, you know, it really wasn't. Halloween that was the uh, that ushered in the slasher film. The slasher film became popular uh, with a movie called Black Christmas, which came out four years before Halloween um, in 1974. And that was, you know, the the you know this deranged guy dressed as Santa starts off in these teens one by one. That was actually really the first. Uh, um, Contemporary slasher, slasher. film. Well, well then, Texas you know, Chainsaw Massacre came out in '74. Yeah, and and Chainsaw Massacre, I believe, came out after Black Christmas did. Mm -hmm. Christmas Same came year. Out, um, actually, or maybe it was '72. I can't remember the year. Fact check. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released on October 1st, 1974. Black Christmas was released on October 11th, 1974. So, so I want to kind of talk about the movie and the production and its influence. We'll get to all that. But I also want to talk about the movie kind of not necessarily beat by beat, but I actually want to talk about what happens in the movie because it's, it's, it, it is, it is, it is one of those films. It's, it's that popularized the slasher thing and the final girl trope uh, of, of everybody's, you know, one by one taken out. And, and so I just want to start with, okay, the song originally that the song is composed by Carpenter. Yes. And, and, and 
obviously he admits it, but it is a clear ripoff or heavily inspired by the Exorcist song. Yes, yes, very much so. And what's interesting about uh, Halloween, uh, by the way, the original title of the movie Halloween was called The Babysitter Murders. That yes. was the actual name of the movie. And oh, they, wow. for some reason, when they made the film, uh, they were talking Carpenter and the producers, and for some reason, Babysitter Murders sounded... One of them said, you know what, that almost sounds like a kid's film. I mean, I know it's not, but I mean, it just they didn't like the word babysitter in there. And then that's when, I'm not even sure who it was, but somebody said, well, you know what, why don't we just call it, you know, Halloween, the holiday it you know, takes place in. And they're like, oh, yeah, duh. I mean, that was like the natural thing. And that also ushered in all the other films that came out, you know, uh, especially horror films named after holidays, New Year's Evil. You know, and then there were all these films that came out after <laughs> Halloween um, with with titles after holidays. But, um, but yes, yeah, so what I love about that is just the vision they had. I always said that when you don't have a lot of money to work with, you get so creative. And what I thought was interesting about John Carpenter is the first two films that he made, the film before Halloween was called Assault on Precinct 13 which was an amazingly scary film. Uh, not scary, hot, horror scary, but just scary intense. And he had very little money. Halloween, very little money. And then when he had the success, every single film after that, Carpenter had more money to work with. And I swear to mm -hmm. God, you guys, the more money he had to work with, the worse his films were. But it, sometimes it's not just the artist. you know. Now, I don't know in his case specifically, but... The more money somebody throws at you to make some something, the more say and the more hands on mm. the people putting the money in are going to be. Point. So it it it's sometimes yes, it's an artist who by the time you're at a point where people are throwing money at you, you're like, God, I did all these really great things, and I got to come up with more great things. Yeah. So I don't think money and 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 talent, I think, are generally out of out of whack. I think you, you have these great artistic ideas which launch you and you have full creative say because you have very little money. Right. Then you get all the money thrown in. You got studio executives exactly. and publicity departments and all these people trying to tell you how to make the best film. And that's going to ultimately change the way things are. That, that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, and, and, and uh, Adam, you mentioned too that you're not a fan of the slasher film and I'm not either. Even though when I was... You know, I was in, in high school in the 70s, and so every one of these films I saw, you know, every slasher film, every horror film, because I just, I was a, such a horror junkie. Mm -hmm. And I, too, got to the point where, you know, a lot of filmmakers started to substitute violence where a good story would be. Absolutely. Correct. And that happened a lot, and, and still continues to happen to this day. And, and uh, that just, to me, that's a turnoff. So when I sat down to write the call, you know, the, the one thing I did not want that film to be was some sort of slasher type film. I, I had no desire. Well, it's, it's and it wasn't. What's more interesting to me is the is the creepy, is the suspense, is that 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 feeling of nameless dread that good movies can give you. Like The Exorcist is a is a perfect example of that. No slashing at all, but it is one of the scariest, most intense cerebral f films of all time. Yeah. But but this we have to credit. Uh, his uh, his 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 girlfriend, um, Deborah Hill, 
was the co-writer of this and actually was the person that had the babysitter murderers murders uh, script ready to go and this collaboration. Th- very basic stories. Yeah. You can have a very, very simple story, but if done right, uh, it's it's so it's etched in our memories. That's essentially, if you really think about it, I mean, the first half of the movie just sets up the sort of creepiness in Halloween. And then all of a sudden, the night when they're babysitting, you know, when everything's going down, I mean, you're all in those two houses and that's yep. it. Mm-hmm. There's only two good actors in this movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenal yeah. and Donald Pleasance is 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 solid. I think every other actor and actresses, it was, it was like laughably bad. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Donald Pleasance, as you mentioned, he was such a tremendously gifted actor. But when I'm watching this, and, and Chad mentioned this when we were kind of talking about it the other day, the was this film the birth of torture porn? Halloween. Like Halloween, like Saw, like Touristas, like The Hills Have Eyes, where it's that weird, erotic, just disturbing, like everything's sexualized, but well, in nudity, but pain and torture and death, and, and I... I call it torture porn. Is this the birth of it? No, no. I think I think the torture porn films came much later. Um, you know, the, the, the people die in the Halloween movies, but it's not prolonged death. It's not tortured death. It's you know, like when Michael Myers, you know, stabs the boyfriend of the girl in the bed. It's like you know, poof, he's against the wall and then he's done. You know. Uh, yeah, but wait a second. Okay, okay, okay. I have to stop you guys right now yeah. because I, I, I did just rewatch the movie two days uh-huh. ago in preparation for this. The boyfriend that dies, he picks him up, stabs him. He's dead. He's stuck there for some, <laughs> somehow that little knife and he's pinned up. I mean, that's whatever. I'll look past that. All the other women that get murdered in it are all screaming like they're having orgasms. Yeah, his Every sister, Every single one of them. The, the women that are dying in this, he's stabbing them or choking them or this or that. It's elongated yes. far longer than the guy. Yes. And they're all screaming like like they're actually especially his sister, enjoying it. The first one, especially. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the, the, the torture porn, to me, do you ever see the movie Hostel? I, I haven't seen any of these. I've just heard of I them. was afraid so to. So the movie Hostel, to me, is an example of where you know, the the killing and, and sex were sort of brought together as kind of one, and it was really a very, very disturbing movie. I mean, I guess I never thought about Halloween being that way. Well, let me let me let me interject and say I don't think it is that. I, I, I don't actually think that's what started it. I think that it kind of it may be it was something else it that led- did, but I am saying he they did the filmmaker, you know, John Carpenter did draw out the women murder scenes far longer than the male scene yeah horror in general always sort of had a little bit more you knew you had bad actors usually and you had smaller budgets back in the day and i was always taught you need every scene needs to do one of two things move the story forward or show them having sex those are the two (laughs) things you have to do as as a writer in film as a filmmaker so in horror, where you don't have the best actors, you give the audience sex, yeah. and then you move forward with the killing and the story. Well, yeah, because in a horror film, you usually kill them right after they had sex. That was a big thing. You know, the Friday mm-hmm. the 13th. Totally. Including this one. For that, right? N- including this one. Including yeah, this including one. including this one. The, the sister. Twice. The, the girl you were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
the and it, and so I was that was the next part of this conversation is did this popularize that sort of you know I I John or, or Carpenter says this didn't factor into it that it wasn't a moralistic message but then there's you know there's what the author intended and then there's the societal meeting yeah that that society puts on something it might mean something that the author doesn't necessarily intend so Jamie Lee Curtis uh her character says when she's talking to her friend on the phone she and she's being killed she thinks oh they're having sex in the background (laughs) I'm I'm overhearing that she's like oh stop rubbing it in and everything so even the characters within the 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 story acknowledge that it's sexualized a murder but did this popularize you know Friday the 13th it's always the kids that are drinking or having sex that get killed one by one like to be punished for for their promiscuous behavior maybe that was just a Hollywood way of, of trying to for you know get the birth control message out there like see what happens when you <laughs> teens have sex you're gonna die knock it off well and one of the things that that stood out to me immediately just re-watching this is i absolutely love how you know you're in a moment in a scene and then you the camera will pull back and all of a sudden in that pullback it, they'll reveal michael you know, looking in on something very voyeuristically. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, you know, cause you, you see a lot of movies today, you know, the, 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 the sounds louder, the shots are bigger, the scares are bigger. I mean, you know, cause there's more money in it, but, but just at its simplistic core, just still to this day, there is nothing scarier to me than the thought of being anywhere in my house and having somebody looking in, and I don't know if that be, was because of Halloween that that made that so obvious. But I mean, that's terrifying to me. I moved my dog's kennel <laughs> away from the window because I'm like, oh, you don't like the people staring at you at night. OK. And I moved him away from the window because I mean, that's how terrifying it is. Yeah. That's what made this movie at its core so scary psychologically because that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's it, again, we could be talking about this movie, you know, 40 years from now and it's still going to be it's still going to be relevant. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Cuz you know, a lot of horror films don't necessarily get better as we, you know, move on technically as we discussed. And and that that's what I get afraid of sometimes is when people start to use technology or gore to to, you know, substitute for a, a well-made a well, a well-told story. Totally. Well, and that was what was so great about the seventies into the eighties was that you had to have story because mm-hmm. no matter if you had budget or not, you didn't have the computer effects and the things that they have post two thousand right. that just make everything look cheap. You know, I love real Adam and I Thomas. We love real explosions. I want to see a car really plowing into stuff. Yeah. I want to, you know, and, and the same thing. Let the let the theater of the mind come out. Don't just show me everything. Give me the story. Well, and, again, and Halloween did like that. like like uh, Val Luton said, and John Carpenter said, and even William Castle said, it's what you don't see that scares you sometimes more than what you do see because you know you let your imagination take over, and you can't beat that. Absolutely. And, and, and to that point. One of the other scenes that really stands out in my mind, and I, I thought it was extremely well done. It's not a scene. It's a sequence of scenes. The Burnett girl. I'm sorry. I don't remember all their names. But this is when she, like, spills on herself, and she's got to 
Oh, she ran, yeah. ran, ran veniently. I'm, I'm, I'm coining a term, ran veniently, uh, co- randomly and conveniently combined. <laughs> so trademark Adam wins 2021. There you go. She ran veniently, spills on herself, and has to take off her clothes. And, and, and then she's going to the, the, the laundry room uh, in the garage. Who has a laundry machine in a whole different Part of, like a whole outside of the house. It's number one. This is the seventies. It might have been more That's, common then. Yeah. I. It, it. 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 That. That build. I kept waiting for it. I mean, this is before uh, the first. This is you know the fifty-three minute mark ish where where he gets where he chokes her from the back seat of the car and everything. But that all leading up to that, I thought was tremendously suspenseful because I'm like, what's going to happen? And then when the little girl walks over from the house to there, I'm like, well, this is 1978. They're probably not going to kill a little girl on film. But I still was waiting. But for I kept it. you knew he but was I kept, in no, there or I kept waiting because you knew she was climbing out the window. And then she's out the window. Oh, yeah. So I kept so waiting for something not to happen to the little girl. I'm like, oh my God, this little girl's going to walk in and there's going to be just two legs. Yes. And yes. nothing stuck out the. And I was like waiting for that. And mm. that's what was, again, in my mind, it was so terrifying. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a couple questions about the lore of Halloween. And I, I don't know if you've seen everyone, if you, you're going to know the answers to these. But these, I, I'm curious, having just watched the first one recently. I know I've seen others, but certainly not all of them. What is the deal with Mike Myers, Michael Myers, killing his sister and wanting her? He takes her body out of the ground and puts her in the bed with the headstone. Judith Myers, uh, you know, why Why is he so obsessed? Why did he kill her? Why does he exhume her body, uh, what, 15 years later? And, and what the f***? I mean, what's the deal with Mike Myers? You know what? I think... I think- there's a there's a, a, an interesting clue in the original Halloween, and one of the kids says, "Was that the boogeyman?" Yeah, and I think the answer to that is he's the boogeyman. So we, you know, a boogeyman just does stuff randomly. You know, uh, there is no meaning. There's no, you know, why behind it. It's the boogeyman. He's going to no. do whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually, and actually, the, the his therapist, his therapist actually confirms that when he's working with the detect with the the police officer, you know, he's talking about. He goes, "I've been, I've been, I was there the day he came in at six, yeah. and mm-hmm. I've studied him, and for the first ten years, I swore I was going to get through to this kid, yeah. and he was going to be. And after years of doing that, I realized there is blackness behind his yeah. eyes, the devil's and eyes. That's it." The devil's eyes. Yeah. So, so I think he really is. I mean, the only other argument could really be, the only other way to argue it would maybe to be to take again that morality thing into yeah. it, where the daughter had sex. Clearly, a guy was taking advantage the sister, and, or is something, something yeah. her sister, the guy on his sister, and he he was triggered, and he and he and he killed her. Well, I read you a, could make yeah. that argument. Yeah, yeah, I read a theory but, saying that basically, she put sex ahead of taking care of him she was supposed to be babysitting him she neglected him so he he reaped his revenge and that's why he's going after these other babysitters who are really they're not babysitting it's just a convenient reason to hang out with their boyfriends they're like you know what i'm gonna just send the kid i'm supposed to be babysitting to a completely different house (laughs) 
only in 1970. <laughs> that, would, that would never fly today. No. You took my kid where? You wouldn't fly in the 90s, man. It's like, no, <laughs> no. Oh, that was funny. The one thing from the story perspective, she is so freaked out. Jamie Lee Curtis is so freaked out for the first half the movie. Then she starts babysitting. And the kid's like, it's the boogeyman. And she's like, you knock that off. He's not there. And like completely dismisses Mm -hmm. the fact that there's anything creepy going on at all. Like, what? She should be like, knowing what was going on. She should have been looking out the window and going... I'm going to keep an eye on yeah. this. And said she dismisses yeah. it. It's a complete there was flaw. A, there, was a, a, there was a reason for that for a little bit within the plot. It was her friend calling her up and saying, I told that boy that you like him. And she was like, oh my God. So like for that little sliver of it, there was like, boy, that really took distracted her. That meant so much to her that it took her mind off of everything. But that would be for like the five minute phone conversation, not the rest yeah. of the night. Five minute, like two yeah, you're right. like two minutes. I mean, it's it's like it was like the shortest of. Se- I mean, they, like no, that was it. Like fundamentally, it seemed weird as a storyteller. It seemed weird to go the first half of the movie completely panicked, thinking you're being followed, freaking out, like seeing this guy in a mask, constantly worried, to then like you knock it yeah. off. Yeah, he's it's nothing. He's not there. Yeah, you know it's it's it, it, it's it, you know we, upon multiple viewings. You start to pick apart little things, right? Well, I do want to just to just to back up what I what I've said. Adam and I always say no movie's perfect. No. I mean, you know, so so it's fun to poke fun at at a little of the things that seem to be flawed in movies, but that doesn't take away how groundbreaking you know Halloween oh, was. It was from the way they shot it, the the putting the fear of somebody watching you in your home. And, and and everything that it did, you know, for this genre, uh, uh, I mean, that can't be overlooked. No. So we have to celebrate all of everything that. Everything just clicked with that movie. It just, everything just clicked. 